Renting in Australia has not gotten any easier, and I don't think for the foreseeable future we're gonna see that change. However, what we can do is learn from the past mistakes, understand how this crisis actually has come about in Australia, and figure out what that really means for us in terms of personal finance, financial freedom, and if we really wanna own our own home, how do we go about doing that? If you're interested in what my thoughts are, definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name's Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. It's a new year, 2024 and it's January. So you start fresh, you got this energy and we need to put that to work. So if you're interested in getting any help when it comes to sourcing out the right investment properties, we take care of end to end. So we go out there, find the properties, we go and negotiate and you don't have to speak to a single agent. So if you're interested in that help and you wanna move at speed, then definitely book a free call I'll leave a link in the description below. So for the better part of two years, I've been coming out on this channel saying, hey, look guys, we need to focus on the fact that we have a rental crisis looming. Now, although I was correct for 90% of it, the 10% that I was incorrect about was, I thought the RBA should have started cutting rates about six months ago in 2023. Now, the realization of how big of an effect this will have will only come to fruition in the next 12 months. We can already see that we're in a recession per capita here in Australia, and we've seen inflation drop month on month for the better part of 12 months. So I don't want them making the same mistakes. And although most people are focusing on what I'm saying about interest rate cuts, it's more so about the effects that has on the rental crisis. If we started seeing rate cuts last year, you're probably in a position where investors can start borrowing a little bit more. As investors go and buy more property, they can actually go out and create one property that may have been an owner occupier into a rental property. And yes, on the counter, you can say, well, if investors can't buy, because they're evil investors, if they can't buy, then those people can go and buy their own homes and they don't have to rent. The truth is a lot of people don't actually wanna buy their own home. I know it's freaking weird because most of us got brought up thinking that no, you have to own your own home and you don't need debt. Having productive debt can actually help you immensely when it comes to financial freedom. And owning your own home, yes, while to many, including myself, sounds like an amazing thing to do, a lot of people don't prioritize that. Some by choice because they may not have the available credit, they may not be in a position where they can take on a loan because they're too old, or they might be in a position where they simply don't want the headache of having to manage an entire property with all the rates, all the insurances, and everything that comes with it. Instead, they can just rent, and if they decided to leave and move to the other side of the world, they could actually do that. Now fast forward into Jan of 2024, we clearly haven't got those rate cuts. And it's looking likely that we probably won't see one for at least the next three to six months. So as a result, we will then have further pressure on the rental market. Now currently, rental vacancy rates are pretty much hovering around their all-time lows, which is at about 1%. For anyone that's been in real estate longer than five years, they know that 3% is pretty much a balanced market. That's where you have a bit of negotiating room. When it comes to the tenant, you can say, well, okay, I don't want 12 months, I want six months, and I don't wanna pay 400, I might wanna pay 390. And that seems to be a healthier market. Once you start going below 2%, you start having an issue when it comes to what people can ask for. And when you get under 1%, that is where the landlord has all the control. They can go and jack up rates when they like, pending the fact that we have all this regulation in place to protect the tenant, but largely the power is with the landlord. You also don't want the flip side to happen where you have vacancy rates above 5% because then all the power is with the tenant and then there's no actual financial incentive for a landlord to stay a landlord. And that's when you often see them actually go ahead and sell their properties for a loss. You have the entire economy slow down and then there's no infrastructure, there's no one wanting to live in that place and that is also a problem. So what you want is a healthier market. 
Yes, as a landlord, you're like, hey, I don't care. If I can jack up my rates because vacancy rates are low, that's fantastic. But if you want a long-term sustainable market, you'll need that number to move from below 1% into about 1.5 to 2%, and that's probably where the healthy medium looks like. Now, what's crazy are the rental prices. And what we've got is a breakdown of all the capital cities as well as the regional areas and the national average. Now in Sydney for a house, the year on year change has been 13.6%, but what's crazier is the units have changed 17.2%. I honestly thought 10 to 15% in terms of rental hikes would most likely occur, but we're seeing numbers way beyond that. It's absolutely wild. Melbourne, a similar story with 14.6% and units at 15.6%. Brisbane at 7.8% for houses, but their units have played catch up and now they're at 16.7%. You've got Adelaide at 12% with their counterpart units at 9.5%, but the standout has got to be Perth with houses going up by 12.7% and then their units going up by 19.6%. Now what you'll find really interesting in this table is that the average rental price for a house versus units are very similar. And so you'll go on to argue saying, well, if they're so similar, why do people move into a unit that can just go into a house? What this table doesn't take into account is that this is an average. So if you look at Sydney, all the units could be in high dense areas. So in and around the city, in a west of Sydney, and they're highly desirable in terms of living because commuting to the city is so much easier. Relative to the houses, which may have land that's a lot smaller, but further out west, maybe 45 to 50 minutes away. And that's why that number looks so odd. When you look at regional areas, you've seen growth of 6% on houses and then 4.7% across units. So definitely not as high as what we've seen in capital cities, but this is because the capital cities are now starting to play catch up when it comes to the rental market. On average, when you're looking at yields as an investor, you're looking at capital cities and getting maybe in Sydney and Melbourne, around 3% if you're lucky. And then if you're going out to areas like Perth and Adelaide, you're probably getting closer to about 5%. Whereas with regional areas, you're in that 5 to 6% range. Although the yields now in regional areas are also starting to get constrained, they're usually closer to about 5% as well. Now it's obvious, if we go out there and build more homes and we have more supply, then it means people can buy properties for more affordable pricing and they can also go and rent more properties. I've done a detailed breakdown on housing supply and how we have this housing supply crisis in this video. So definitely go check that one out after this one. Now the level of activity when it comes to buying property and selling property is very cyclical and quite seasonal. You'll see a lot more transacted during the spring months and a lot less during the whole Christmas period as well as the winter months. Now as prices for property go up, you'd be forgiven to think that, hey, I could just go and sell my property. I can go out, cash out and buy somewhere else. But if all the areas you wanna live in actually go up in value, you, then it's very difficult to go and let go of your property and to go and buy something else. Furthermore, you may have bought a property say five years ago and based on the interest rates at the time, you could afford it. But if you wanted to go and buy the exact same house today, you wouldn't be able to afford it, you wouldn't pass the bank's calculators. So as a result, we've seen a dip in property listings. People don't wanna sell their homes. So activity starts going down. And what you can see is that in Sydney, you've got the yearly change at about 3.6% and then Melbourne at 6.2%, but you've got massive declines in Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide. And you've got a massive increase in Canberra, which is somewhere we definitely do not touch. But if you look at it on a monthly change, we've seen the average go down by 5.2% with large numbers in Sydney, which means people aren't willing to let go of their own properties that they may be living in, or if they've invested, they're not letting go of those. If you're someone who has a mortgage on their own home, you would rather let go of an investment property before you have it touch your own property. And if that investment property now gets picked up by a first home buyer or a family wanna go move into that property and they may not necessarily be from that area, it means one less property that's available for the rental market. Now, why the rental crisis keeps getting worse and why it feels like it's getting worse is something that avid commentator on Twitter has broken down. 
Meanwhile, in Australia, per capita GDP growth has risen, but it's on the back of expansion of mining sector and the rise of LNG exports. Meanwhile, inflation adjusted household incomes have gone backwards. Real household disposable income per capita growth over the last decade. What you can see is 83 to 93 went up by 10.1%, 93 to 2003 up by 18.3%, and then in 2003 to 2013, it's gone up by 26.7%. But this number here is very scary. 2013 to 2023 minus 0.6%. What this effectively means is the world is continuing to move further ahead. Everything becomes more expensive to the wage increases that you're receiving. The value of your dollar keeps decreasing. I say this over and over again. Sometimes I get comments going, Ravi, why do you say the exact same thing? And I'm like, bruh, it's because it's the exact same thing. But it might be the 10th time you need to hear it or for all you new people that are visiting the channel for the first time and about to hit the subscribe button, you may have never heard me actually say this. And what this points out to is the fact that you need to own assets because if you're in a period where you can't own assets now, how much harder does it become in the next 10 years? Yes, inflation might calm down, but the value of our currency has already diminished rapidly and the rich continue to get richer because their investment portfolio continues to grow. When the market expands and when the market gets constrained, you see the weak hands have to sell because they don't have emergency buffers and lower incomes and those assets get transferred back to the rich and the rich get richer. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed this video. The death of the middle class is well underway and it's not something to be proud of here in Australia which was once the land of opportunity. If you want to know my thoughts around the middle class crisis, then definitely go check out this video. Hope you guys have enjoyed this one. Smash that like button if you have, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.